All right, again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that today will be a help to you and something that you can take with you and use in your life. And so um, I asked you a little bit uh, before what you think the most important thing in investing is, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And obviously, uh, if you're thinking of financial investing on this earth, then yes, uh, finances would be a very important part of investing, right? If you're going to have some investments, you have to have something to invest, a very important part of that. Um, Some other things that uh, trustworthiness, who you're going to trust, those are important things. There's so many things in uh, investment that are important, and um, there's there's often some, some miscommunication uh, with investors and, and those uh, who are uh, managing those investments for them. And sometimes people just don't know what it is they're investing in. And so it's important to understand what you're investing in. But let's talk a little bit this morning about what an investor is, okay? If we are going to invest in the kingdom of God, then we must know what an investor is and how an investor acts. I think it's so important to know those things because if we don't, then how in the world are we going to invest properly? So it's important to understand. By definition, an investor is someone who puts their resources to use. Let me say that again. An investor is someone who puts their resources to use. Every one of us has resources. Every single one of us. And you might be sitting there today thinking, I don't have anything to give. I don't have any resources. I don't have any money. I don't have any time. I don't have any this. I don't have any that. I don't have any talents. Whatever you want to fill in the blank that you think that you don't have. Most of us think that we don't have anything, but all of us do. You may not have something that in your eyes is spectacular or amazing or, you, you know, if you're thinking of financial investing, you're thinking, well, I don't have $100,000 to invest, and that's probably true. But here's the, the key to it all. The key to it all is you have something. You have something. Most of you have probably heard of a man by the name of Kyle McDonald. Kyle McDonald was a Canadian blogger who traded a red paperclip red paper clip for a house. A red paper clip for a house. On July 14th of 2005, he went to Vancouver and traded the red paper clip for a fish-shaped pen. He then traded that pen the same day for a hand-sculpted doorknob from Seattle, Washington. On July 25th, just a little bit over a week later, he traveled to Amherst, Massachusetts with a friend to trade the doorknob for a Coleman camp stove with fuel. On September 24th, a few months later, he went to California, traded that camp stove for a Honda generator. On November 16th, again, two or three months later, he traveled to Masspeth, Queens, and traded the generator for a, quote, instant party. It was an empty keg, an IOU for filling the keg with beer of the bearer's choice and a neon Budweiser sign. This was his second attempt to make the trade. His first resulted in the generator being temp- temporarily confiscated by the New York City Fire Department. Oops. On December 8th of 2005, a month later, he traded the instant party to a Quebec comedian and radio personality, uh, Michelle Barrett, for a ski-doo snowmobile. Okay, so he's made it to a snowmobile already. Within a week of that, he traded the snowmobile for a two-person trip to British Columbia, scheduled for February of 2006. 
About January 7th, he traded that second spot on the trip to British Columbia for a box truck, like a U-Haul. On February 22nd, he traded that box truck for a recording contract with Metalworks in Mississauga, Ontario. About April 11th, he traded the contract to a lady named Jody Natt for a year's rent in Phoenix, Arizona. About April 26th, a few a week later, he traded that year's rent in Phoenix for one afternoon with a man by the name of Alice Cooper. About May 26th, excuse me, he traded the afternoon with Alice Cooper for a kiss, the band, motorized snow globe. Some of you might be thinking, who in the world would ever want a kiss motorized snow globe? But nonetheless, he traded that because he already had that trade ready to go. June 2nd, he traded the snow globe to Corbin Benson for a role in the film Donna on Demand. And on July 5th, a month after that, he traded the movie role for a two-story farmhouse in Kipling, Saskatchewan. I say all of that to tell you this. A red paper clip to a house. Now, listen, this is a physical example. We understand that. It's a physical uh, example of what a man can do with, with his uh, position, with the internet, with all kinds of different things, but with a red paperclip. He just invested a red paperclip. It's amazing what a man can do when he invests on this earth, but if you will invest your proverbial paperclip into the kingdom of God, you will end up with much more than a house much more than a two-story farmhouse in Kipling, Saskatchewan. In fact, John chapter 14 and verse 2 tells us this, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. You see, Jesus is going and is in heaven right now preparing a place for us. He's preparing mansions. Listen, you invest your proverbial, your spiritual paperclip, you will come out with much more. Much, much more than a house on this earth. It's spectacular. It's wonderful to think about. But it takes investing. You might think, well, it's just a red paperclip. Who would ever want that? Listen, it doesn't matter. God wants what you have to offer. And he will multiply. On top of the mansion, the Bible tells us that we will be rewarded with gold, silver, and precious stones. We will have crowns. We will be in heaven with Jesus. Listen to me. If you don't get anything else, just get this, and you can go to sleep after this. I've been five minutes into the message. An investor is someone who puts their resources to use. Let me ask you this morning, what do you have that God can use? Do you have a red paper clip? Do you have something so small, uh, maybe, maybe just a, a word that you can say? A, a kindness, a, a loving kindness, tender hearted. I mean, what are you going to do with that? There's something that you have. God has gifted us all with something for us to invest. So let me ask you this Are you an investor? Are you an investor? Are you someone who puts their resources to use? Again, I think if we're honest with ourselves, and I think we need to be, if we're honest with ourselves and we're looking at our uh, heavenly portfolio, we're looking at the kingdom of God and how our investments are in it, most of us are probably not investors. Most of us are probably what we call analysts. 
analyst, financial analyst. Again, an, an analyst, by definition, is someone who separates or examines critically to determine the elements. They separate it or they determine critically, they examine those things. Here's the thing. Most of us never grow out of this stage. It is important to be an analyst at some point in your life. It's important to analyze your finances. It's it's important to analyze your life and your goals and what you're doing. It's important to do that, to do your homework. But most of us never get out of that stage. Here's what an analyst will say. An analyst will say, I don't know how they're going to figure this out. Hopefully you know a little bit about the Super Bowl. And there are commentators, sports commentators, and there are sports analysts. And they'll look at Tom Brady and they'll say, oh, Tom should have done this and he should have done that and he should have done it th- this way. And, and we, we, we sit at home and we do the same thing, don't we? We call them armchair quarterbacks. We all do that. We're all analysts. We all think that they should have done something better and, and done it uh, differently. And the same thing in investing. There's financial analysts, people who look at uh, different thing, parts of finances and begin to analyze the information gain all this information. So an analyst says, hey, I don't know how they're going to fix it. There's a problem. I see the problem, but I'm, I'm not responsible for it. But here's what an investor will say. How are we going to figure this out? How are we going to figure this out? I know often as a pastor, we'll get calls, we'll get phone calls from people that say, hey, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? And I understand that question. I think it's important as leadership that we figure this out. But an investor says, how are we going to fix this? I'm involved. I'm an investor. I'm a part owner of this company. I'm a part owner in the kingdom of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So what are we going to do to fix this? Listen, we're in the midst of a pandemic right now. We're in lockdown. Most of us will sit idly by and say, what are we going to do? How, how are you going to fix this? How are you going to get invested in the kingdom of God? When in reality, we ought to be saying, how can we make a difference? How can we change this? How can we do this differently? Listen, there was a day when we used to go knocking on doors to tell people about Jesus Christ. There's a day now where we use the internet There's a day where you talked face-to-face with people. Listen, that's no longer right now, but what are we doing? How are we investing? How are we changing an investor? uh, Excuse me, an analyst will analyze the data and show where improvements can be made. Hey, here's the data. Here's how improvements can be made. Here you go. Suggestions, right? An investor will analyze the data and make improvements where it needs to be made. Not just offer a a suggestion, but they will begin making improvements. An investor invests into it. There's action involved in investing. Most of us are analyzers. Most of us don't mind speaking our mind, do we? Most of us uh, don't mind speaking our, our mind, but when it comes to giving a hand and putting action to our words, we don't want to be that invested. Now again... I'm not necessarily getting after anybody this morning, but often, often, people will come to us with great ideas, throwing ideas out, and I love ideas, I love getting ideas from all of you folks, but there are times where we just can't handle any more ideas. We, we don't have the time or the resources, and I've said to some people, hey, that's a great idea, why don't you try and do something with that? And, and that's okay, 
Most people don't want to. They just want to give ideas. They just want to speak their mind. That's an analyst. Again, I'm, I'm, please understand, I'm not talking about necessarily just our church. I'm talking about investing in the kingdom of God all the time. You should do this and you should do that. That's an analyst when in reality we should be asking, what can I do? What can we do together? We're going to be investors. We must first recognize that we have a resource to be used. How are we going to use it? And second, we must recognize what we need to be. This is the bulk of the message. And here in Colossians, if you have not turned there yet, please do so. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 begins by showing us some characteristics of good investors. The first characteristic I see is an investor must be focused on the title of the message, long-term investing. Long-term investing. To put it another way, Investors must be patient. Investors must be patient. Warren Buffett said this. I love this. The stock market is a device to transfer money from the impatient to the patient. The stock market is a device to transfer money from the impatient to the patient. A comparable word to patient in the Bible. A Bible word is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Let's take a look at Colossians chapter 1. The Bible says this, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth, of the gospel, which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. And ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll jump into this text. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that you've allowed us to be here today. Father, as we begin to analyze our lives may we be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves truly are we an investor or are we just perfectly content with being an analyst father it's important that every single one of us invest in the kingdom of god that's what you've asked of us that's what you've called us to to give our lives a living sacrifice father the reason for that is because you first loved us you died on the cross for our sins and father we thank you for that thank you for the opportunity to serve you Thank you for the opportunity to give our lives back to you. And I pray that we would help us all today. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A good investor is faithful. A good investor is faithful or patient. However you want to describe it, I want to give you uh, a definition of faithful. It means this, firm in trust. Firm, fixed, in trust, full of faith. As Pastor Holland said this morning, one of the greatest things that we can give in investment, one of the greatest aspects in investment is trust, and I agree. Full of faith, trusting, giving, patient, faithful. Paul writes that there are faithful people here in Colossae. I, I, I often do this, and maybe you're the same as me, but as we begin to walk into Colossians and begin to think, we kind of burn through the first couple of verses, don't we? 
kind of just skip right through them, kind of getting the introductions out of the way, but there's some important aspects in this area. Look at verse 2 again. To the saints and faithful brethren. You see, they are faithful brethren in Christ. It's important to understand that. He even calls someone out that is a faithful servant. Again, we may just skip over this. In verse 7, he says, as you learned also of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is for you a faithful minister. Most of us just kind of skip through those things and just kind of burn through them and think, well, what could we possibly want with these things? But these are important details that we must know. Faithfulness or patience is an important attribute of someone who is invested in the kingdom of God. Most of us want results immediately, don't we? We want our results immediately. We want our french fries right now and we want them hot and salty. We want them right now. We want to speak, uh, if we're in a problem, uh, we want to speak to someone kindly. The Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. We want to speak to someone kindly and have all of our problems with that person go away immediately. I'm this type of person. I'll do something dumb, which happens more often than I care to admit, and I will say to my wife, I'm sorry. Well, guess what? I want that to be done and over with right now. But often what I have said or what I have done has caused hurt, harm. Maybe I've created a wound and wounds take some time to heal and I want immediate results and sometimes it just doesn't happen. We don't want to have to apologize twice. We don't want to have to say something kind twice. We don't have to go out of our comfort zone twice. We want to give money to a missionary and help them out once and never have to do it again. We just want to put it out there and be done. We want to show up to help out once and then we have done our duty. Man, my, my neighbor needs their, their uh, driveway shoveled. I'm going to go do that, but I probably won't ever do it again. I just want to look good once, right? Just one time. This, these things are not investments. These things are, are not investments. These are not using our resources to their fullest extent. Sure, they're using our resources. But it, it's like buying a cheap dollar store toy. It's not going to last very long. If you want to invest in something, you must be in it for the long, to- long term. You must be in it for a long time. Investments take time. So let me ask you this question this morning. What exactly are we supposed to be patient in? When we're specifically talking about the kingdom of God, what are we supposed to be patient in? In investments, in, in financial investments, we are patient with the stock market. The stock market goes up, the stock market goes down. The stock market goes up, the stock market goes down. It's constant and it constantly goes over. But your greatest return on investment is over a long period of time. So what exactly do we be patient in? Number one, I want you to see from this passage, we need to be patient in faith. Patient in faith. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 4 with me. The Bible says this. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. He says, you're faithful. And here's part of why you're faithful. Because you have faith. Does that not make sense to anybody else? When you have faith, you trust. You put that in. Faith faith to be faithful. Faith to be patient. It does. It absolutely takes faith to be patient. Faith is like a muscle, we've often said. It's 
strength must be built over time. If you're trying to lift weights or get stronger, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes breaking that muscle down to build it up again. The more patient you are in faith, the more full of faith you will be. The more patient you are in faith, the more full of faith you will be. Trusting and having faith in God is not as easy as it sounds. I wish I could say it was. Even I, I, I've been saved. I've been in church pretty much my whole life. I was saved when I was four years old. I've tried to have a relationship with God all through those years. I've been saved a long time, but I want you to understand having faith in God, trusting God is not as easy as it sounds. Picture again your investment advisor. Someone who's advising you and analyzing the data for you. He studies the market. He gathers the information and he gives you advice on the best investments that you should make. To be honest, this person knows just about everything there is to know about your investments and about the market. And you haven't even looked at your portfolio in over six months because you trust them implicitly. That's great. But you just don't like the sound of the name of the company that they want you to invest in. It just, ah, I just don't like the name of it, which seems so trivial, doesn't it? But you just don't trust your advisor. You don't go and uh, listen to what he has to say. I mean, he hardly knows anything, right? He, he knows nothing. He's not studied the market. He, he's not looked at your port. No, that's you. And you decide, now. I don't want to invest in that company because of the trivial name. And you go do your own thing. How often is that going to pay off for you when you do those things? Well, not very often. You don't trust the person who's doing all the work. You don't trust the person who's looking into these things. We always want to do our own thing. We always want to do our own thing. We want to be in control. We want to do and we want to think that we know what is best for our lives. Well, here's the wonderful thing about God. God is far better than an investment advisor. God can see into the future. God knows exactly the path that you are going to take. God knows exactly where the paths that you choose are going to leave. He can see things and he can show you things that we could never ask or think about. He's far above us. He knows every single thing there is to know about your life and the life of everyone in the world. I know that's mind-blowing, right? He knows everything about you and everything about everyone in the world. But so often, we don't trust him. So often, we don't trust him. We think we know better. God, you don't know what is good for my life right now. You don't know that, that I'm struggling with something. You don't know that I'm dealing with something right now. You don't know that if I take this path, and, and that, that there's going to be some hard times ahead. I guarantee you God knows exactly what you're going through. I guarantee you God knows exactly what's ahead of you. He can see the path. If we're going to be good stewards, if we're going to be good investors, we must be patient in faith. Trusting God. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, the Bible says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, watch now, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. Just let it roll out that ye may be perfect and entire. Watch this, wanting nothing. Oh my word. 
if you want to be full, if you want to be uh, as, as, as good as you can get, perfectly rounded, everything's running smoothly, then you must have patience. Your faith will be tried over and over and over and over again. Here's the interesting thing about faith, though. Faith is not so hard to show Trust is not so hard to be given when everything's at a mountaintop experience. Man, when your investment advisor, uh, every, you know, he's suggested that you uh, get into this company. And man, you begin making returns on that really, really quickly. Man, you're like, oh, this guy is the best. But the next day, the stock market goes down and you're pulling your hair out. Faith is much more difficult in the valley. Faith is much more difficult to show. Trust is much more difficult to give when you're in those low points. But if you will just continue to trust, if you will just continue to invest, trust God, you will be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. What an amazing promise. You will wonder often, is this the perfect way for me? Is this the will of God for my life? You will ask that yourself many times. Let me encourage you. Be patient. Pray. Trust God. Ask him to lead you. Ask him to guide you. Ask him to show you exactly what you're supposed to do. If we're going to invest long term, we must be patient in faith. The Bible says this. All things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Listen, God will work things all to your good. (laughs) Sometimes you'll think, oh, there's no way this can be good. Listen, the ebb and the flow, just keep patient. Keep the faith. Keep trusting God. Your dividends will pay off. But it's going to take some time for you to see those. Not only are we to be patient in faith, number two, moving along, we must be patient in love. Patient in love. Again, look at verse four. The Bible says this, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, watch now, and of the love which ye have to all the saints. It says you have faith in Christ Jesus and also you have love for all the saints. I want you to think about love. Does love happen overnight? Not usually. Love takes time. We, we often talk about love at first sight. And, and I understand that. But love at first sight is really just attraction. If we're, if we're honest. It's just attraction. True love takes time. True love sticks through the thick and the thin. For better or for worse. First Corinthians tells us that one of the characteristics of love is long-suffering, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Charity or love is long-suffering. It suffereth long. You know what another word for that is, is, is patience. Patience. That's one of the characteristics of love. Love goes through the thick and the thin. Love goes through very difficult times, and it comes out on the other side. That's true love. But again, I want you to notice, who did the Colossians love? Notice with me, and of the love which ye have to all the saints. All the saints. 
They loved, I want you to notice that three-letter word, all. All the saints. There is absolutely no way that I could love all the saints. There is no way that I could love all those people who know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You see, people who go to church and people who know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, people who, quote, we call saints, they're people. They're human beings. They do dumb things. They don't do right all the time. Oh, sure, we strive to, but we do wrong. And sometimes we're even downright mean sometimes. Now, again, I'm not trying to excuse this. I'm just trying to inform us that, yes, we are still humans. The reality of the situation is that we mess up. And these people here in Colossians love all the saints, even when they were unlovable. Even when they said something unkind. Even when, in a, uh, when they were very tired or hangry. And they said something that they regret or they did something. These people still loved. Loving like this is extremely difficult. and does not happen overnight. I can remember when we were first married. My wife and I getting into what we now lovingly call discussions. We would have these discussions because as my, my father-in-law uh, illustrated, we were two rivers coming in and intersecting. And that's where the most uh, uh, ripples are, where, where the rapids are, where the water is most turbulent is where two rivers meet together. And we were having some wonderful discussions. Things weren't always easy, but this I knew. I loved my wife. It didn't matter how much it took, we were going to get through this. We were going to come through and be a peaceful, tranquil stream. Loving like this is difficult. It doesn't happen overnight. But remember, we're not in this short term. We're in this for life. When my wife and I got married, we said, until death do us part. We're, we're not in this just to be happy. We're in this for love. We're patient in love. We're investing in our circumstance right now where we, what we're talking about, we're investing in the kingdom of God. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 to 45. He says this, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despise, despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. Listen to that again. That ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. He says, listen, if you want to be like God, if you want to invest in the kingdom of God and have the greatest return, being a children of the Father, love your enemies. There is no way that's easy. We love those people that love us. And even sometimes those people that love us make us angry. And we would say, oh, I don't love them right now. But Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 5, love your enemies. Those people that try to hurt you and cut you down and speak evil of you behind your back and, and do all of these different things. If you want to invest in the kingdom of God, love them. Bless them that curse you. Bless them. Talk about them positively. Man, that's hard. Pray for them. 
do good unto them, the Bible says. These are so important, and these are ways that you can invest in the kingdom of God by being patient in love. That person who is absolutely driving you bonkers right now. You just can't even stand to look at them. The Bible says love them. Be patient in love. Invest in the kingdom of God. Don't pay attention to your feelings. Here's something wonderful that I've learned over reading through some of these things and studying for these messages and thinking about the stock market. We use the term how volatile the stock market is. It's up and down. It's constantly fluctuating. It never seems to be just steady eddy. It's constantly moving. It's constantly shifting. Listen, if you run by your feelings, hear me, if you run by your feelings, Every time the stock market goes up, you're as happy as a lark. And when it comes down, you're pulling all your money out. And when it comes, you're constantly playing this game of in and out, and my feelings are, are hurt, and I don't know what I should do. And if we live our lives and we're trying to invest in the kingdom of God, we cannot do it based on our feelings. We must do it through patience, patience and love. Yeah, they messed up again, but I still love them. Yeah, they said something mean to me again, but I still love them. Patient in love. Let me let you in on a little secret. You can't do this on your own. You may be sitting there thinking, I don't know how I'm going to love somebody that hurts me. I don't know how I'm going to love my enemy. But you, you can't. Physically, fleshly, you can't. You can only do this through the power of the Spirit of God. Jump down to verse 8 with me. This Epaphras declared, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. You see, it's important to understand that the only way you can love people with an unconditional love is through the power of the Holy Spirit or through the power of Christ. That is the only way. You cannot do it on your own. You see, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he loved us so much that even when we whipped him, even when we beat him, even when we put a crown of thorns upon his head, even when we mocked him, even when we ridiculed him, even when we put a, uh, uh, him on a cross and crucified him, even when we put a spear in his side, even when our sin was placed upon him, he who knew no sin did it out of love. Love. Just simply love. At the end of it all, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There has never been a greater investment in the kingdom of God than Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And he did it out of love. Even when people ridiculed him, it must be done through the power of God. If Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, can overcome his desire, the Bible says that he was in all points tempted, like as we are, we are yet without sin, and so through him, we can overcome. Through him, we can be patient in love. We can be patient in faith, believing that he can do it. But number three, I want you to see, finally, patient in hope. We've seen patient in faith, patient in love. Number three, patient in hope. Jump down to verse five with me. We finished verse four, verse five. Watch this. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven... 
whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. As we think about the stock market, as you think about your physical life, as you think about some of these things in investing, so often our hopes and our dreams can be dashed into pieces. Man, I was saving for retirement, and now that's gone. I often think about uh, companies that just in my lifetime, I think about Blockbuster. Man, Blockbuster was a booming thing. I remember always as a kid going into rent videos. Man, booming, and you could have invested in Blockbuster, and then Netflix comes on the scene. Netflix comes on the scene, and Blockbuster declares bankruptcy. Your dreams of cashing in your investments to retire are now crushed. Maybe some of you are, were there. Maybe you invested in something that went bankrupt, and now your hopes, your dreams, your desires are crushed. Listen, dreams and hopes can be crushed, but here's the wonderful thing about God. God cannot lie. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promised before the world began. God cannot lie. Listen, God is never going to go bankrupt. God, the kingdom of God, is never a bad investment. It will always bring great returns. I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 6 with me. Hebrews chapter 6, in verse 10. Hebrews chapter 6, in verse 10. The Bible says this, For God is not unrighteous, watch now, to forget your work, and watch, labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints, and do minister, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Watch now, verse 12. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now that, there's, a, there's a lot there. But I challenge you this. Break it down. God is not unrighteous. If you work, if you invest, if you labor in love and minister to the saints, you're patient in love, patient in ministering, then you will have the hope. You'll have full assurance of the hope who through patience, faith and patience, says that you will inherit the promise. When God promises you something, and when you invest in that promise, you will get your return. God cannot lie. He promises you that you will have the return. Listen, God will never go bankrupt. Our hope is based on our faith in God. So let me ask you very simply this morning about hope. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Man, often when we put investments, again, financial investments into something, we hope for a big return. So that we can take that money and we can do what we want with it. We hope for that. None of us hope for a bad return. Maybe spiritually investing in the kingdom of God. What are you hoping for? Are you hoping, the Bible says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? 
Are you looking for that day when Jesus Christ returns? Because that's your return on investment? He is going to return someday. He promises us that. He guarantees that he will return someday. What are you hoping in? I love the old song, The Solid Rock. It starts like this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. You give me whatever you want, but I'm not going to trust in this earthly frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. The chorus says, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Listen, Jesus Christ has given me personally the hope that I will be in heaven someday. I hope for that. I long for that. I look for that. This is exactly what Paul is telling the church at Colossians here. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven by the gospel. See, the gospel is the good news. The reality of the situation is, if you never accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your sins condemn you to hell. You you can't return from that. Because of the bad investment that you made with your sin, you will declare spiritual bankruptcy. The Bible says we go to hell. And we live there for an eternity because of our sin. That's the bad news. We don't like that, but there's good news. The good news is, again, that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect and spotless life. The Bible says that he was crucified on a cross. He died. But it wasn't just that he died. It was the fact that our sin, my sin, was placed upon him. When the sin was placed upon him, the Bible says that God turned his back on his son where he could not look at him because he was full of sin. And that sin, with that sin, Jesus died. And with that sin, the Bible tells us that he went to hell. Spent three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. There, he rose from there, excuse me, he rose again. And guess what? He rose again without the sin. So what happened is my, I don't have to pay for my sin anymore. It's already there. It's already in the depths of the sea. Jesus Christ has already paid for it. He rose again and now he's sitting at the right hand of God waiting for us, preparing a mansion for us. We have the hope of eternal life. We don't have to worry about going to hell anymore. If we will just accept the free gift of Jesus Christ. If I am patient in hope, if I'm hopeful in that, and listen, there are going to be some bad things that go on in this life. I'm 32 years old. I have a lot of life left to live, I hope. Listen, there's going to be a bad amount of things, but guess what? My hope is built on nothing less. I'm going to find and see and love Jesus Christ for my entire life. I'm looking forward to that. I will not only see Jesus someday, but I will rejoice in the sight of him who gave me something to invest in. Listen, 
He gave me the opportunity to invest. He gave me something to invest. You see, my life, a sin-filled life, is worth nothing to God. In fact, God cannot look at it. But now that my sin is washed away with the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Listen, now that I have that, I can now invest my life in the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ is the only reason I have something to invest. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, chapter, chapter 10, chapter 11, talk about Jesus Christ dying. And the reason for that. Chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, because of what Christ has done for you, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Invest it. Holy. Acceptable. Because this is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. We have the opportunity to invest because of Jesus Christ. Listen, you may be sitting there today and you may not even know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You may have never accepted Christ. You may have never accepted the free gift. I want you to realize this morning you are a sinner. The Bible says that all have sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. We can't do it on our own. All of us have. Accept that. That's the bad news, but there's good news. The good news is that Jesus' blood can cleanse us from all sin. Jesus died for your sin. Just accept that free gift. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved, the Bible says. Because I waited for Jesus. Because I look to him to this day, I have a home in heaven someday. I've already begun the investment. So I hope you'll have the same opportunity. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verse 13, the Bible says this. Now listen, we've talked about faith, we've talked about love, and we've talked about hope. Watch this now. Verse 13, the Bible says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. I want you to notice that word abideth. Abiding, staying put, being patient. Faith, hope, and charity. These are the three things that we must abide in. These are the three things that we must stay in. These are the three things that we must be patient in if we are going to faithfully invest in the kingdom of God. First characteristic of an investor is faithfulness, is patience. This is long-term investing. I want to give you one last verse and I'll be done. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Hopefully you've read this this week. The Bible says this, and let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't faint. Don't give up. Don't go based on your feelings. Be patient. Be patient in faith. Be patient in love. Be patient in hope. Invest in the long term. Be patient. Let's be called faithful. Bible says that someday, if we're faithful, Jesus will look at us and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant.
How are you characterized? Let's invest, but let's invest not just for tomorrow. Let's invest long-term for eternity. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all that you've done for us. Father, thank you for the opportunity to invest our lives back into you. Father, as we think about what it is that we need to invest, it may seem like nothing. But Father, help us to give it to you and watch you multiply it. And Father, if there's one that's listening to this message that does not know you as personal Savior, then Father, I pray, I pray that they would know you. They would understand that. They would understand that they're a sinner, that they deserve to go to hell, but because of you, they have the opportunity of heaven. They have the opportunity of having a relationship with you, and I pray that they would accept it. They would know it. That they could have an eternal home in heaven with you. Father, help us. Help us to invest our lives into the kingdom of God. Help us to be faithful in doing so. We pray all these things in your name.